Thank you so much, everybody, for joining me this week on the Luck Stops Here podcast. I am your host, Scott Bowser. I apologize for this one coming out a little late in the week. I was sick all week and had a difficult time uh, even holding my head up. And so asking me to record this and upload a file was honestly a little too much. And I, you're, you should be ashamed of yourself for, for holding me to such a high standard when I am on my deathbed. So uh, I'm doing good now, though, and uh, this week I got a really good show. Um, my buddy Ben Berman, you may know him from his work with Tim and Eric on Tim and Eric Awesome Show, Tom Goes to the Mayor, and Steve Brule and whatnot, and uh, he directed the short film I was in, How to Lose Weight and Four Easy Steps that went to Sundance. So, you know, he and I are good buddies. He also did the Amazing Jonathan doc on Hulu, and he's one of my favorite dudes on the planet. I really hope you guys enjoy this one, and thank you so much, and while you're here, I strongly suggest that you go over to uh, um, hit subscribe and then put uh, five stars and then like drop a little line like Scott's the best fuck face I've ever heard do anything. Something like that, because that actually helps the show, believe it or not. Even a negative comment helps me, which is boy, the Internet. It's a lot of fun the way we let big tech run our lives these days. So everybody sit back and enjoy Ben Berman. Thank you so much. And welcome, everybody, to my interview this week. I got my good friend Ben Berman on. Ben is the director of The Amazing Jonathan Doc on Hulu and uh, also How to Lose Weight in Four Easy Steps, which uh, you can see your boy in right there in that one. But, That's uh, your boy. Yeah, Ben, how are you doing today, man? Uh, today was an interesting day. Right now, I'm great. I'm, I'm happy to see you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude, thanks uh, for doing this. Of course. Today was... The days have been, years have been weird. <laughs> days are, <laughs> life is weird, Scott. It's like, uh, I don't need to tell you. It seems like your life is really fucking weird. But my life is weird in, in maybe similar ways, maybe different ways. It's just I can't get a fucking grasp. Can we curse on this one? Oh, on this of course, one? dude. It's a, this is not for the kiddos. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think it would be. Uh, yeah, overall, I'm fine. How about that? I'll just end there. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good, man. Because I don't think I've talked to you, like, like actually talked to you. We've texted and messaged and stuff, but I haven't talked to you since uh, I moved out here to Vegas. So it's been wild, dude. Like, Yeah, yeah. We've texted a bit, but I guess we haven't um, chatted for a little while. Yeah. How long have you lived in Vegas? It's been a bit, man. Dude, right? it's been um, a year and a half now. Over a year and a half. Be nine, nine, 19 months your, next week yeah not to disclose your exact location but where are you vegas proper or henderson i'm in vegas proper over on the summerlin side of town in summerlin do you know where that is no side. I, I probably heard of it it's like i have a las vegas address like city of las vegas address but we kind of it, it's like we're succeeding from the city and uh summerlin's becoming its own it's like uh how do I, how do I, I, I kind of compare it to like the Brentwood of Vegas. <laughs> well, that's, that's nice. No. Oh yeah. No, it's really nice of you. Dude. I could never afford a place like, like a neighborhood like this in LA, like right. no fucking yeah. way, dude. And like, I have like a legit one bedroom condo with like laundry in unit, which dude, coming from LA. Oh my God. If you can get laundry in your pad, you are, you made it. <laughs> What's that? You're set, yeah. I mean, dude, walk. yeah, like, dude, like, you don't have to go to a laundry room. I mean, if, or you don't have to go to a laundry room. And my last apartment in L.A., the laundry room, uh, oh, they, right. sh they shut it down. And so 
because they said there was a bed bug outbreak down there. It was oh, in the God. basement. That's and, tough. And then I had to start going to the laundromat down the street, which was brutal. Having to sit in there for like two, three hours doing laundry, kids running up, slapping my phone out of my hand, just all kinds of horrible shit. Yeah. When I lived in Hollywood in a one bedroom, they had a laundry room there, but sometimes I actually would just go down the street to a laundromat. I don't know why. Was that your place <laughs> off Frank your place off Franklin? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, that place. You, yeah. 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 Yeah, that place. I was there for year, many years, I think. Yeah, that was but a great went, place. It was a fine place. Uh and bizarrely I enjoyed it like being right up the street from like Hollywood Boulevard and the Chinese theater, which is so not what I would imagine I would be into, but somehow it just, it felt like city life and coming from Philly at that point, pretty much it was like, Oh, city life. If I remember that, that's cool. I can walk to places, but yeah. Dude. Uh, that's one thing I, like here, like I'm living like suburban life. Like I'm yeah. in a very suburban neighborhood. Like everything's so spread out. It's like, I do kind of miss that part of living in East Hollywood of like, having three bars within a five minute walk but i mean actually i have three bars within a 15 minute walk here that's not too bad that are all um cool uh yeah i remember do you remember the one time josh cohen and i came to we were hanging out with you in echo park right around where you used to live and you brought us back to your your apartment oh the Uh, closet apartment it was so Josh and I couldn't help it, and not to rub it in, but I just want to revisit it just with, yeah, no, <laughs> with you. Remember, Josh and I walked into that place and couldn't, no offense, couldn't stop laughing. Because yeah. <laughs> we were all drunk, we were all having a good time, but then we were just like, oh my God, Scott, you live in yeah. like this? Yeah. This is not for a man to live like So this. it was an apartment, I mean, and I use the term apartment very loosely. It was It was a, a room. It was a room. I mean, it's seriously, I'm looking at my living room right now where I have a, I mean, I have a bedroom here in addition to my living room. But look at my living room now. Congrats. This apartment was maybe, if I was lucky, half the size of my living room here, maybe one third, probably closer to one third the size of it. And I only paid, I paid 495 bucks a month for that place. So in LA, that's, it's almost that's impossible to find uh, any kind of rent like that. But I had to share a bathroom. I had to share a bathroom. Yeah. yeah, there was no bathroom. So I had to share the bathroom with the two other people on the floor, and that that fucking sucked balls. Like I'm not gonna lie, that was that seemed that because the the one guy was really weird, and he was oh god, and so yeah, if, no, I lived like that for over a year. Guy, if you're the guy that thinks that guy's really weird, then that guy must have been really fucking weird. <laughs> no, I think it was like a, a situation of two of like two people that are com- so completely polar opposites. We would just look at each other all day and go, that guy's the weirdest guy I've ever seen in my life. Or it's like, you know, the Russian nesting dolls. It's like, it just, <laughs> you know, it's a version of you, but smaller or, or bigger, you know. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Um, what is the essence of this podcast? Is it just chat or is there a, is it about mental? Oh. I've been I've been doing podcasts about mental health. I've been doing a couple of those. Okay, now this one is pretty much about Vegas. And I have people oh, to share because okay, cool. now that I'm living in Vegas, it's kind of me exploring uh, my city, going around, giving reviews of local little bars and whatnot. But then since we've been in quarantine for months, I haven't really had many bars to review. 
I'm just kind of interviewing friends that I know have a connection to Vegas and have a Vegas experience that's amazing. And I know you do from making the Amazing Jonathan documentary. Yes, sir. That's why I bring up um, Henderson. Um, pardon me. That's why I bring up Henderson because that's um, – it's probably not a surprise. that, that, that Whatever. That's where Jonathan uh, lives in a beautiful gated community. Yeah, it's really, really nice over there. Yeah, I think now uh, Flavor Flav lives lives in their howdy com- uh, uh, gated community now too. So there's yeah, a couple, he, he does uh, um, funky he, steps. He plays. He bowls. How do you know that? He, Everyone I, knows everyone, huh? Because he bowls at the Sunset Station in Henderson all the time. Where a friend of mine, Flava? yeah, Flava, he bowls. My friend Elaine, she runs the bowling league there. She was my real estate agent that helped me find this place. And uh, yeah, she. Are you renting? I'm renting, but dude, that's how you got to rent out here. Everything's through. I'm, a real I'm renting here too. I, I can't. I, I'm. I have too many other things to think about, and I don't know to, to buy a house. Just seems like I have to learn so many new things. Yeah, there's property taxes and all that stuff. And... Oh God, I I like to keep my money. I I like to have my money. I'm very Jewish. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, I like to keep my money. I don't want it to be invested. I like to touch it every night as I go to bed. Dude, um, Yahweh. No, the the way it works here is you like, like my condo complex I live in, they're all individually owned. Like there's no leasing office you go to where you fill out an application with the manager. It's an HOA. So, yeah, yeah, you go through a real estate agent. And the real estate agent costs you as the renter nothing because they get paid by the person renting the place out. Right. And cool. so that works pretty cool. That works pretty cool. But yeah, Elaine runs the bowling league and Flavor Flav shows up like as their bowling league on Monday nights shuts down for the night every time. And he basically gets like 10 lanes to himself and all his friends and plays every Monday night. So if you're at the sun, if you want to meet Flavor Flav, go to the Sunset Station Monday night in Henderson, Nevada. That's that's I would, where I would love to. I would love to meet the guy. You know, funny enough, I've actually made a, a short film with him in it, even though he wasn't aware of it. <laughs> uh, a short film at the beginning of quarantine called the follow-up that is like ri- kind of based off of a or based off of a kind of ripped from cameo if, do you know about the cameo website yeah, and- yeah like where you pay uh ricky henderson to tell you how how many bases he sold and <laughs> or yeah you you like let's say if it was your birthday i could go on um, cameo, and I know that you're a big fan of Flavor Flav or, or fucking, you know, who else? Uh, David Spade, he's not on there, but you know, uh, <laughs> he will any, be. any of those we, we all will be if we're lucky. I am actually on it. But um, <laughs> I like a birthday gift, a greeting, like apparently the guy, Kevin from The Office, you know, is was the biggest earner on on Cameo this year. Um, That's yeah, you. Ce- ce- celebs or pseudo celebs or whatever you want to call them no offense to anyone uh they're on there and you can buy them for a certain amount of money and usually get them for your friends as like a gift anyway there's I a lot a of athletes on there too that are doing that now but it's like the lower level athletes which makes it kind of funny like get, get everyone's like, you know, like there, there's definitely some bigger celebs on there too like snoop Dogg will come and go i think and especially during the pandemic a lot of people went on there celebs or pseudo celebs went on there as a means of income and i think kind of kept people afloat but anyway flavor flavor was is on there and uh 
I guess that was just a way to shamelessly plug a short film that I made. Hey, dude, that's what this show's for, dude. Shamelessly plug stuff you make. Yeah. And it's got a connection to uh my you know this part of town because yeah yeah so when uh, you, uh do you kind of lived out here for a little while while doing the Jonathan doc right or you I were... definitely didn't, I definitely didn't live out there I I I came fairly often um like I would I would at the beginning of filming the Jonathan doc maybe for the first five or six months I would come out like once a month for a day or two fairly um traditionally i guess or whatever but um and and then a while like i was pursuing other things in the dock and maybe not filming jonathan at home we were we went on tour for a little bit i I was i popped out a good amount i couldn't tell you the amount of times that i've been there filming the jonathan dock but it was it was a it was a, a okay healthy number but never was i like living there only once did i ever stay overnight at jonathan and anna's house uh, that was pleasant, though. It was actually around Christmas. We I remember that day was, I couldn't tell you the part of town we went to. It was very nice. And, like, we went to his agent's Christmas party. And they had a a, a, a midget Santa. <laughs> and Jonathan, Jonathan and I took a picture on the mid or with the midget. Like, I think we were both on the midget santa I, i'll send you the picture maybe you can post it oh man yeah i will definitely post that you know what I should definitely fucking i'm gonna post it this christmas because i've never posted it before you posted it because this episode will be out in a couple weeks and then i'll repost it from your right. post and so we'll, yeah. we'll spread the love of you you the amazing jonathan and a midget, and midget santa <laughs> it's not or i don't know what the appropriate term is tiny i think it's santa. little person I, it's just little person Santa. I, it's just so it, it was the the fact that they hired a little person, put him in a Santa costume is just so inappropriate. And that Jonathan is just so inappropriate as well. That it was so appropriate to take that picture. Oh, yeah. I, That's I a very Vegas picture. <laughs> it's such a Vegas Jonathan picture that so many wrongs like you got to embrace sometimes. That's like, dude, like, because where I live, I have a few local little casinos I like going to occasionally. There's one with a cool bowling alley lounge I like to go get get some few drinks at because it's a fun little hangout there. I don't even bowl there. I just hang out at the lounge. But, uh, um, like, I'm so, what's up? I'm so curious. Sorry to interrupt. I'm so, I'm so curious what the vibe of Vegas is now. Like, we're, we're, and the numbers in, of, of the pandemic or, um, COVID. Yeah. Like LA is all fucked up. I'm guessing Vegas is is not pretty, but like people are going out. People are ve- uh, like casinos are open. People are wearing masks or or what? I went to a casino like twice during this, where everybody you, you do a temperature check as you walk in. There's masks. Um, they have like special like electronic gaming kiosks that are all like socially distanced and whatnot. And it's actually kind of cool because it's like everybody. Like, it'll have, like, craps, roulette, blackjack, and baccarat all at these. And you go up to this kiosk machine, and you you pick which one you want to play. And then you're playing against the live dealer that's in front of, like, the, these machines. Oh, interesting. But it's like everybody. So if you and I were playing blackjack together there, we'd both be getting the same cards every time. Because we're playing the same hand against this one dealer. Weird. Like, 
in that way, we don't even have to be in Vegas. I could just be here. Yeah, technically, is, yeah. I mean, yeah. Might be the end of Vegas, God forbid. Cause well, no, because you, you – like, Vegas. dude, it's so, like, cool because, like, the cocktail waitress still comes by and gives you free booze for sitting there. Yeah, and... that's, 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 like, the one thing that – smoking indoors, like, for a moment, like, just the the, the kind of – luxury or the disgusting like smoking indoors is something that it's fun to embrace in vegas for me um oh, and yeah. <laughs> i'm not much of a gambler and the free drinks was always something like oh my god i can't believe you can get free drinks here if you just sit here long enough or whatever uh i, I can't say i'm a vegas guy um and the casinos that you go to, I'm guessing, are not the main, like, strip casinos. No, probably... I think I've been to the strip, like, three, four times since I've moved here, like, 19 months ago. And that was basically every time was when a friend, pretty much every time was when a friend from L.A. was in town. Uh, yeah. Only times I didn't do that was I went to a concert at Mandalay Bay once, and then I went and saw a live boxing match there once, too. Wow. So, But I didn't even, like, I don't didn't even really go to the strip those times. Because those were both times where I came in through the back door from the event center. So it wasn't even like I was going to this, you know, like I never, like I was, it was like on the other, like around, because the Mandalay Bay is so huge. Like the event center is around the corner almost, like across the street from where the new football stadium is now, like right across the highway. But like the thing is, if I really want to go out and do like the Vegas, like I love my local spots. They're very low key, like cater to locals. And all the local spots pretty much have a movie theater, a bowling alley like a few restaurants so it's it's like a community center in a weird way like it's it's like a one-stop shop kind of thing it's like hey i want to play a couple games uh watch a movie get a burger and get drunk yeah. you know i can do all that in one place right um, right but like uh, if i really want to do it i go downtown to fremont street yeah that's where the that's, fun... old, that's old vegas yes. is that golden nugget area yes 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 yeah and that's way better because, like, dude, the Strip you now, it's, like, they tore down all the old spots on the Strip, and there are all these huge monstrosities where you think it's next door to one, but that's taking you 25, 30 minutes just to walk next door. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so ridiculous. But, like, down there at Fremont Street by the Golden Nugget, the California, the New Circa, which I can't wait to go to. But these are all, like, these, they're all, like, right next door to each other. So you can kind of, like, party hop and g- go from one to another. And, it's yeah, that's a lot of fun, man. And it's definitely you, you get a sense it's not um, as luxurious or like ritzy as w- I guess the strip claims to be. You, I, when I've been to the around Fremont Street, I really feel the difference, and the it's more like kind of grimy. And yeah, fun. yeah, dude. It's like uh, like I think like especially if you go to like the newer spots on the strip, some of the bigger spots like the Palazzo, the Venetian, the like the Wynn. Like these places cater to people making big money, you know. They're yeah. they're catering for that. and losing. They cater to people losing, losing big, big money. money. Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. like, dude, and like MGM and Excalibur, those kind of places, New York, New York, they're catering more to the people that want the overall entertainment, like theme park experience, almost. Yeah. Whereas yeah, yeah. downtown's appealing to the degenerate horse gambler who wants to sit in the sports book all day and play dollar craps at night and drink cheap beer. Like the Scott Bowser's and Josh Cohen's. Of the world. <laughs> yes. Yes. The, I need to get Cohen on the show. Yeah. I, I, I need to hit. Him oh up. my dude. There's, 
oh my you do because he has a lot of vegas stories because i won't give away some of his stuff and he probably won't give away some of his stuff (laughs) there's a a darker there's a darker um there's dark stories he he spent a good amount of time in vegas like working on some sort of reality show that he was like producing or ading or paing and there's the dark underbelly of he kept on saying he kept on referencing it's like north vegas like the Palomino, the yeah, Palomino I know, I know where that's at. I know where that's at. Yeah, strip club. It's like he shot some sort of weird reality show at a. Stri- I, I don't know. It's a mess. He's got. He lived there for weeks or months. So you got to have him on. Yeah, I de- Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like a lot of dude. Um, like, see, I like the sports and horses mostly that I gamble on. I don't really do the tables much. I think I've done tables like two, three times since I moved here. And that's usually just oh they're doing dollar craps at, at for half for for a lunch special today I'll go play ten bucks there real quick you know like because I, I realize yeah, that's I pay no state income taxes I make a competitive wage compared to the rest of the country but my cost of living is next to nothing I'm not gonna go fuck that up and gamble it all away <laughs> figured that out but in regards to um your your at your at one point uh long term passion. Uh, of like doing stand-up and comedy any of that happening and uh, even before pandemic or no or have i haven't you... dude i haven't done stand-up in like three years now wow yeah how do you feel about that is that was that a conscious choice or just it now yeah it happened? was it was just not being fun anymore you know i i was canceling more gigs than doing because it's like i'd get I'd, someone would ask me to do a show it got to the point where i wasn't even i was i was rarely reaching out to bookers anymore but enough bookers were reaching out to me and I was just kind of like, yeah, I'll do it. And then it would come to the date and it would be like, fuck, I don't want to go to Santa Monica right now. You know, or like, like fuck, dude, I got to go to Burbank. Fuck this. And I kind of got into that mentality. And it was like, I, I realized I don't have fun with it. It wasn't fun anymore. Like I have yeah, fun what, writing. What? I have fun acting. I have fun doing podcast, podcasting and doing this stuff. And it's like, dude, I can honestly with this. I can create my own content sitting here at my kitchen table doing whatever, you know, having fun conversations with people every week and I'm reaching yeah. a way bigger audience than I ever with my stand up. Yeah, sure. Fair enough. Now, was it was it was it solely about the travel, traveling to Santa Monica, traveling to Burbank to do stand up or was it that even if it was like right next door, Dude, if it was at the some... Silver Lake Lounge just down the street from where I live, like in East Hollywood. Yeah. Uh yeah, I just didn't, you know, it's like at a certain point, it's like, I don't want to even fucking be there. You know, like comics are, I don't, dude, that's what's funny is most of my friends are comics or comedy relate adjacent at least. And it's like, was it about doing the work? Like, okay. Like, not because like, it about, I had a few great jokes. Honestly, like, there was a couple really good jokes I had down the stretch there where I was like, man, I still wish I could do this one occasionally. Cause I had one about uh, Matthew McConaughey and, uh, how Dallas Buyers Club is actually a sequel to Days and Confused, and it's his character growing up, and he gets AIDS from barebacking all the high school girls. <laughs> By the way, the the years might might make sense. When did Dallas yeah? No, no, exactly, dude. The timeline totally adds the up. Timeline, on... <laughs> right? Yeah. No, right. The, Matthew McConaughey in Days and Confused was probably like his the age of the character he was playing was probably like like he was like 25 20, or so? 20 something, right? Yeah, twenty early early twenties probably twenty three maybe, 
And that was what? What year was that? Was seventies? That was seventy six. Seventy six, right? yeah. Because like it was, like, they were getting ready for the big election and bicentennial and all that. When did Dallas Buyers Club happen? And by the way, I'm not good at math. But so that was that... like eighty three or whatever. Yeah. So he would have been in like you could the McConaughey character Dallas Buyers Club could have easily been in his thirties at the time. <laughs> yeah, sure. I think it might work. <laughs> <laughs> but like, is... I get older, and their T C T cell counts keep getting lower. Or whatever. <laughs> Oh, that John, amazing Jonathan would, would appreciate that type of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, like, dude, honestly, like, it just like, the, honestly, the climate of stand up alone just was getting toxic. By the way, we have to be careful of what we say on this podcast, because if I ever get on SNL, uh, you know, some people are going to go back to this podcast. And <laughs> he then said gonna... midget. We're going to crucify him. Right, midget. Hey, I'm fucked. <laughs> I'm, Lauren's going to boot me from SNL. Who was that guy who said the Asian racist stuff who was on SNL oh, but never made it? Shane SNL? Gillis. Shane Gillis. You must, be, you must have seen him around the stand-up scene, right? Uh, he's a New York comic, so I never uh, really uh, crossed paths with him. I don't really, you know, I'm on, I'm on the West yeah. Coast side of the East Coast, West Coast hip uh, comedy hip-hop wars. I think I heard that Louis C.K. wrote him after that and was like, hey, man, it's t- I know, world's crazy. <laughs> Dude, world's like Doug, Doug Stanhope had him on his podcast and stuff. Like, it, it did a lot uh, for him in podcasting. Like, yeah, he didn't get SNL, but his podcast blew up and a bunch of, I don't know. Like, but yeah, it's like, uh, I, I'm always amazed at that kind of shit because, like, I've said some stupid shit on podcasts over the years, but no one, I, I don't think anybody really cares. Until you don't get... care about us, no, yeah. Until, yeah. <laughs> until, until there's uh, you know something to look at, and then then people will go through everything that you've ever tweeted, I've ever said. It's it's nasty. You know, I, a, a nasty. few years ago, I did a purge. I went through and uh, like did uh, <laughs> went through and just like went through my feed and like searched any my name and any time a certain certain words were said and just well what certain words i got i should have vetted i should have had my research just words words that wouldn't be that were funny in 2010 that aren't funny now kind of thing racist words my my sir my oh sir. not so much racist but maybe transphobic or homophobic I, and... could, I could see you i could have seen you you're you're on the right side but a person like you is almost per what would have been perfect for the alt right. I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think. I think you could have gotten sucked into that if you were a t- couple clicks different from who you are. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like uh, I'm too much of a loyal uh, unionist and socialist to ever get suckered into uh, yeah being an alt right. So you know, are, my, how many unions are you? Are what unions are you in? I am not in a union right now, but. I am very pro union. My my parents were both in unions growing up, and it provided me a nice, ch- comfortable childhood. And I yeah. think that's a uh, you know a thing that's mit- lacking in today's society is not everybody's got good union jobs, and that's why families are struggling. You know. Yeah, that's that's for sure. You know, my grandfather, um, my mom's father, who I never met, he died before I was born, was apparently a big union organizer in like Jersey, you know, I guess in the 40s, 50s or whatever. Uh, and my dad reminded me of that when I was working on like comedy bang bang before, like it was non, it was a non-union show and then the crew flipped it and I was pissed because we had to go down. Like it, we, the show might've been done and like I, I, and you were an executive uh, producer on the show, right? Uh, at that point, maybe, maybe not, but like that, that I didn't really have any control. It was just like a kind of a, a title um whatever but uh 
Don't sell yourself short, man. <laughs> it, did fuck, it did fuck up my shit, you know? It could have fucked up the show. And, like, everyone signed up to do it non-union. So, I don't know. I think there's absolutely a correct way. There's great, you know, I'm in the DGA, I think. Uh, <laughs> uh, America Union, and, you know, there's benefits, of course, to that. They fucking cut off my health care because I didn't... Uh, do do uh, enough union hours so it's tricky man it's tricky i like i am I, sag I, 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 like to, I like to make art and when people get in the way of that art and sometimes you like it's not like where this is what i said before and by the way we're going getting off topic of vegas but <laughs> no it's a union town dude this is very on brand okay well yeah right i'm guessing the black dealers that all the yeah man. Union? yeah um like, we're not in the coal mines. Like, unions came about when, like, people needed health and, like, hey, certain hours and children can't work. And what I, I might be having the um, understanding this wrong, by the way. But, like, I'm not working hard in the coal mines and, like, in, in jeopardy of, like, a coal or, like, a mine, like, falling down on me and killing me or, or whatever. Like, it, it's a, a union in regards to, like, you know, the film industry now with COVID, there's absolutely a need for it, but, and there's always a need for it, but it was just like, Oh, we want breakfast burritos in the morning. Like my union says we get to have breakfast in the morning. We get to have this. And someone has to come around with orange juice every day at 2 PM with a vitamin C shot or my unions. Get, I'm going to tell my union. I think it's it, just, like, it goes because that's the thing is like a lot. I, dude, union sets are a whole different ball game. Um, but the thing is with the union stuff, I think with show business, it's more about divvying up the profits and not letting them be completely concentrated, making sure the directors, writers, and actors all get their proper residuals. Cause it's like SAG's in charge of acting residuals and whatnot. Like money's important and making sure the money, um, you know, gets to, gets to everyone and is right for everyone. Yeah. Like, God, I can't tell you how much, like I have to surprisingly fight my own fights for money even though i've got like you know representation and all this stuff it's crazy like i don't know man it's weird and, it is and weird that dude like it's so weird like when you do like i always feel weird doing an acting gig or whatever and i don't know who to ask about where do you get paid or now yeah. i know usually there's a producer that you email and send an invoice to or whatever but if they're not making it it's not your fault if they're not making that clear for you that's absolutely their fault yeah you yeah know? yeah and it's like it it, it, it makes me feel awkward because i always feel i'm just lucky to be there you know kind of thing and it's like that's a that's a good way to feel but also like not a good way to be i think it's like yeah no because you're selling yourself short to it like yeah 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 exactly exactly like i i don't have i, I don't have any problem being like Guys, I got to get fucking paid. Like, I feel like I've been taken advantage of. Like, I, I need some money. And I kind of pr almost prefer, like, just doing it myself, you know, uh, and having those conversations myself. That way I can kind of control it. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, um, but, like, my, you know, my great, speaking of, like, showbiz unions, my great-grandfather on my mom's side was a union projectionist at the Fox Theater in Riverside. Reverse Riverside, California. Yeah, and that's where they used to do a lot of premieres back in the day, because right? um, it was halfway to Palm Springs. So oh, really? All the stars would want to go out to their Palm Springs weekend pads 
So they do the big Friday night premiere in Riverside on the way out there. That's a, that sounds like a nice life. And that sounds like real nice. And they're all getting hammered on martinis. Oh uh, yeah, throughout. dude. And my great grandfather, so he showed the original screening of Gone with the Wind, the very first like public screening. And in no a way. documentary about Gone with the Wind, you can see like my nine year old grandma in the crowd like watching the movie or whatever. She because she got to see it because her dad was the projectionist. So I, I, have, I have the documentary with my grandma. And I have the film splicer and some of the old equipment from that theater from back then. And I want to get it authenticated because that might be the splicer that did the original cut of Gone with the Wind. Dude, this is this is how you make that big money. This is how you, you especially in Vegas, there's like auction houses that oh, can God, yeah. you do this shit. And, uh, that's cool, man. Yeah, so like I have this. I don't know if I mean if I did sell it, I'd split it up with my brother and sister. Obviously, I'm not gonna just pocket it all because I'm, yeah. I'm not a greedy asshole. But yeah, dude, like so I always kind of like you know. But the funny thing is, I've never seen the movie Gone with the Wind. I've never uh, actually, <laughs> I've never actually watched it. I've watched the documentary that my about it that my grandma's in, but I've never actually watched the movie. I've watched enough like Simpsons and other like stuff in our era that references gone with the women to understand scarlet isn't it uh scarlet i don't i don't give a damn is that gone i with think that i think that's it yeah scarlet i don't give a damn and i'm sure lisa said it to park <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you know what? I, I was thinking probably that... family guy referenced it a bunch you know all that all those cartoons half of my cultural references are the simpsons or from the simpsons pretty rama did a couple of bits on gone with the women I think South Park even did it. <laughs> All those cartoons, dude. Dude. Um, no, but uh, are, you, are you selling weed now? Is that are, is that legal to talk about? And are you doing that? And is it legal? No, yeah, I work in. Uh, I mean, I don't talk about it too much on here, but yeah, I work okay. in a camp for a cannabis company out here. I work. Okay, in, we uh, edit, edit that out. Nah, no, nah, that's cool. I don't mind talking about it. Uh, I work though, like I don't work at the dispensary. I work at the cultivation, like we're like the. So I work, I'm a farmer. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're planting or you're picking. Or I both. actually do well. I do some of the pick, like well, not the picking, but we do defoliating on harvest days, which I did earlier this week. But then I, I do. Uh, I work in the post harvest department, so mostly I just listen to podcasts and uh, weigh weed and roll joints all day. <laughs> Are you the are you the person that rolls pre-rolled joints? Yeah, I do a lot of that. Well, see, we don't actually roll the pre-rolls. We have a machine that like thumps them. Right. You put right. like I can load up like 100 in there. So I probably today made like 6 700 joints or so, 800 joints. That's amazing. And at what you <laughs> some home. I'm but sure. you still got to you still got to like pack them off and all that. I see here's the thing, Nevada laws are so crazy. We can't take anything, remove anything from that location. It can only go to licensed dispensaries from our local like if yeah. like okay we do get a lot of sample we get samples on every all the new stuff right so when i get my samples i have to like even though i packaged the sample there got it ready i have to put it in the thing send it to the shop and then i can go pick up my free sample at the shop wow weird weird what's cool is the shop our company has the shop too and i get a fat discount there like a huge discount there and then uh it's only like three blocks from my pad so it's actually cl- the shop's closer to my pad than where I work. Yeah. 
But I take it, dude. It's are, like, are you are you a weed smoker? Is that so? Oh yeah, that you... man. I'm gonna take a puff of my uh my uh like this is a concentrate vape pen. So this is for. I'm gonna, join, I'm gonna join you. I'll take a little hit of my little uh piper. This is a puff, puff. this is a da- like a mini dab rig. I got it for thirty bucks, dude. Because the head shop, all the head shops out here give me a discount because I'm in the I have my industry card. Cats out of the bag. They the, your podcast viewers can't see this, but they can hear us fucking smoking some weed at seven twenty four p.m. That's right, baby. Mm. What do you got there, dude? What, I'm so I'm so fucking high. Just a little uh, puffer pipe. <laughs> no, what's what's the strain? Because I'm, I'm smoking some L.A. Confidential oh, Shatter. Oh, what if it's yours? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm not not much of a weed guy. Indica cannabis flower, <laughs> outdoor crown. 50 <laughs> does Do it have the, the strain name oh, it was probably on that label that's uh ripped there that i see yeah <laughs> i don't know the, the strain well, names more... the strain oh, names oh. crack me up now because it'll be like peanut butter souffle ice cream cake and now it's just yeah, like right, what sounds right. like the most tasty snack oh, that's... Like what... oh my god you, you pretty much hit it it's biscotti indica dom hybrid <laughs> yeah, it's a dominant it, hybrid yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a dom. biscotti indica dom hybrid that's gonna fuck me up, dude. Dude, <laughs> I love, I love getting fucked up, dude. Dude, that's what's pretty cool about. I like. Actually, I'm glad you brought it up because one thing working. <laughs> Are in, you gr- glad that I just brought up? I love getting fucked up, dude. Yeah, well, no, working in cannabis in Vegas, I don't think people realize how much of a weed town it's actually become. Yeah, sure. And like, they just passed a city law last year, and it's gonna take a while for state regulations to get around to it because of the gaming and stuff. But casinos, the city of Las Vegas approved putting marijuana lounges on the strip casinos. And um, tr- uh, only only Nevada citizens or whatever um, can can buy it or no, can anybody tour- can. Any tourists, yeah. Dude, really? Some, yeah. Of, some of the hotels now offer shuttle buses to take you to dispensaries. Of course. Now, can tourists fly home with it, or is that where? No, I think you, you gotta. You can't fly with it, even if you're, even if you're flying to like Colorado or Oregon or California, like another legal. Sta- another legal yeah. state. Yeah, like because technically you're going through federal off. airspace. Right. Right. Yeah, you could hand it off to someone who's flying to Pennsylvania or Ohio, where I'm guessing. It's yeah, like someone's got a layover or some shit. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 But and um, you can. Always- uh, jump from the plane no that's why i dude i really love this concentrate vape pen i got because uh it has a little compartment in the bottom i can load up my drugs in <laughs> and it's got then i hit it at the top it's got a magnet mouthpiece that goes on and off it's easy to clean and i can walk around the casino just puffing my like, getting high as shit puffing my and no everyone clean. thinks i'm just hitting a tobacco pen it's great Dude, I'm really happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, dude. Dude, it was it was scary and like, dude. So I, cause like I was originally coming out to work with a friend's pool business, and then he kind of like ghosted me and kind of just hung me out to dry. And so, oh. so the fact that I was able to land on my feet doing the cannabis work, it's amazing, dude. Like I have good benefit. I have dental and vision now doing this, dude. <laughs> like, wow. So that's. That's something. That's real good. Yeah, and like I could never like, dude. I couldn't get. I mean, I could get a weed job in L.A. That's no problem, but not like for this. Co- like the cost of living versus what I make, benefits, all everything inclusive. I mean, the package here is pretty fucking sweet, dude. Like I can't, I can't argue. Brent, 
Nice. That's great. Um, what was I thinking? I was thinking something. I was thinking earlier today. I I, uh, I don't know if I think about you often, but I think about you fondly. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's, nice. I never think it's not like I never think about you, but you. I think it's good. To, I wanted to express, uh, and this is a weird time to express it, but I like you a lot. And I think I might have expressed this to you at some point, but I, I like I like this thought that I see you as someone who is so so much yourself that you even if you wanted to try to be like someone else, you it, it, you're just uh, very sincere and you can, you're very much yourself. And and I also put um, Eric Andre and Andre Highland into that grouping. Like they're just, you, you know, those types, those guys, you just like, man, that guy is so himself. It has such an identity that is just that, that themselves. And even if they wanted to try to be someone like, and they just, it couldn't even work. Yeah. They just I, are so I themselves. could never pull off like the Larry, the cable guy type act where it's like a total character. Yeah, not even in regards to an act into just personality, just like running into on the street and saying hi it's just like, you know what you're getting and it's just completely yourself. And I value that because especially in LA, as you've seen, there's just so much kind of insincer- uh, insincerity and, um, and just like people angling and whatever. And, and you uh, and, and like those guys are just, uh, just completely yourself. And I, I've always appreciated that. Oh, thank you, man. That's such a nice, like, sincere awesome thing to say dude like i really appreciate that makes me feel good um like i always kind of felt like i would never say that if we weren't being recorded (laughs) tell me to go fuck myself (laughs) this wasn't wasn't on record i would never if if i felt like it was just you and me i would never unless you were on your deathbed or maybe i was on my deathbed (laughs) i would never say that i wouldn't feel comfortable enough that's weird i want to kind of go on to that but the fact that I know that this is being recorded, probably, let's be honest, not many people, zero people are going to be listening to this. But that frees it up to be like, it's not just you and me, therefore, fucking You'd, you'd be surprised. I have an international following now with this show. I, I have listeners in Belgium. One? Like, I like it. Probably, I, I, from the download <laughs> number of downloads, I'm guessing about eight to ten. That's huge. Yeah, Belgium, why? Why Belgium? Because I, I have no idea. I'm, but I have like, I have weird I, like, dude, Canada, get on board. You guys are nowhere to be found in my in my uh, stat in monitoring. Yeah, mostly it is American download. But I've gotten quite a few downloads on this so far. I'm I'm impressed. It's done better than I thought it was going to when I, and it's only getting better each bigger each week because there's more episodes. So, yeah, and now I got you coming in. <laughs> and that's gonna, let's be honest. That's going to bring in a lot of listeners. That's going to bring the heat. But no, kind of going back to what you're saying, dude, like I kind of always felt like I'm not going to ever be the best stand up or the best writer or the best actor or the best podcaster or whatever. But I can always be myself. That's the one yeah. thing that I have the supply and demand covered on. Yeah. But best. What is best? Like, is Kevin Hart the best stand up? Like, what is is best? The, the most popular at the time or is best the best and i think like, chris rock's the best currently so i i said i i reject everything you've just said because i don't think it exists the best doesn't exist actually you know who the best living stand-up comic is bob, uh, bob newhart yes. 
Oh, Bob Newhart? Yeah. He's he's almost he's he's, I mean, barely, he's, alive. he's barely alive, yeah. He's like 94 yeah. now, something like that. It's crazy, dude. Yeah. Um I don't think I'm familiar with his stand up, but I I that makes sense. He seems beloved. He did like he's the guy who invented like the fake phone conversation where you only hear his side of the conversation as he's talking and like someone asshole saying a bunch of stuff and he's just like, "Uh-huh." Like he invented that as a comedic device. Like, like a, okay, got it. Like, like on stage? Yeah, on stage. Like where he's doing his end of the conversation, you're not hearing the other person's. But by by the way he's reacting, you understand what's going on and he like oh, that's cool. If you look up like his old like uh there's a Mad Men episode where they're all sitting around in Pete Campbell's office and it's like, We're listening to the new Bob Newhart record and then the one and then the one hipster guy's like, He's no Lenny Bruce. But I think Bob yeah. Newhart's a lot funnier than Lenny Bruce. That's just me. But is he as much of a truth teller, you know? (laughs) Who cares? It's about being funny, dude. (laughs) Is he saying, like, very, like, politically, you know, subversive and and, uh, bad words? It's like, dude, Lenny, you go back and look at old Lenny Bruce bits. They're not that good. It's just back then there was, like, nine comedians total. And he was the only guy to say fuck. So it was like, oh, that guy's guy's awesome. (laughs) I don't. I don't really know too much Lenny Bruce. I I've definitely seen uh, once or twice uh, the the movie that um, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, that's played. a good. That's a good movie. Yeah, that is a good movie. Bob Fosse uh, directed that. Yeah, it's yeah right. That makes sense. That makes sense. There's no dancing in it, but right. Oh, uh, I believe there was some dance numbers because of uh, his like. He started off in strip clubs, so it sh- shows some of the old striptease. Right. A little, yeah, but not like, you know, big <laughs> bossy dances. Yeah. Um, yeah, the best. That, that, that's a dumb, no offense, that's a dumb and dangerous thing. And, and I fall into it myself, or I'm sure we all do. Comparing ourselves to others or, or rating ourselves. And, and I think it's, it's just like um, who you think is the best that's that's the best for you or who you aspire to be like or whatever that's great for you and who you're inspired by and all that stuff and then for someone else it can be and should be something completely different and you know you know i mean i think the greatest comedic mind voice whatever you want to say like of all time is groucho marx i think groucho is the funniest person to ever live actually like i think i i i would like to be able to have this conversation with you i you know, again, he's like a figure that, of course, you, I know what he looks like. I know the shtick, I think, but but I don't really know. Dude, I'm going to email you a list of uh, videos, right? Like YouTube links of because there's a bunch of him. Him and Dick Cavett were close friends and all yeah. the old Dick Cavett shows are on YouTube and his interviews with Dick Cavett are amazing. And he's like 80 years old in these things. I think I might have a Groucho Marx story. That's what you said, Groucho Marx, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think so. I either, I was friends with some people that lived, um, I, yeah, I was friends with some people or a person that lived in a, a house next to, in the same weird Los Villas community as Bud Court, the actor from the 70s. Okay. And I think Bud Court, who was like uh, Harold and Maude, right, if you know uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Bud Court, who's now an old man if he's still living, was a few years ago, apparently had Groucho Marx's tooth from, like, back <laughs> back in the day. Somehow he got Groucho Marx's tooth and, like, showed them Groucho Marx's tooth is what I think I remember. 
That's the story. That's fucking hilarious, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> Marks too. But see, like, here's the cool thing about Groucho is he started off doing vaudeville with his brothers, and then they became a huge broad. Like, they were like one of like some of the biggest Broadway stars of their time, and then that's yeah. when movies came out. And so when they went to like MGM or whatever to start making movies, like, dude, the, I, I guess the legend has it the studio boss like stood him up for the meeting and made him wait. And then so they're like, all right, we'll come back tomorrow. But if you pull this shit again, we're not going to stand for it. And then the guy immediately left. And like Groucho was like, dude, we were making so much money at Broadway at the time. We didn't think movies were going to even be big. Why the fuck do we need this guy? Like, and then so they went into his office. They broke into his office. They they blocked all the doors with fi- his filing cabinets. And they took a bunch of his stuff. And they fucking made a campfire in the middle of the room and roasted hot dogs. Wow. <laughs> and like, and then the guy finally came back to his office. And he saw what they did. And he thought it was funny. And they're like, this is what happens when you fuck with us. <laughs> happens when you fuck with us. I love it. You're in the picture. <laughs> yeah, and now, yeah. So then they wanted to become. But then like people don't realize with Groucho, he, they also did a radio show. So he was one of the first radio hosts that came on like right around that same time of movies and whatnot. And then he did a game show once TV became the next medium. So he was the guy who was constantly doing the next medium. Like he'd be a podcaster now, or he'd already be onto the next thing. He'd, he'd, he'd be beyond TikTok already. Like, yeah. Yeah. Beyond TikTok, he's going AI holograms and, uh, you know, who knows? bubble cars but like to me there's something so pure about the marx brothers style of comedy because like it's the kind it's the same kind of movies i grew up loving like animal house and caddyshack where snobs versus the slobs the marx brothers are a bunch of fucking weirdos and they show up to these high society functions and they ruin it they make the rich people uncomfortable they like they do what they like so so yeah yeah I was uh, something that you just said movies and stuff are like, it's always right through for the most part, through the perspective of the, the slob, right. Or the loser, the underdog. Yeah. There's what movie is like, starts off with like someone who is just fantastic and is going to win and then goes ahead and wins. And then like, you got to go through the peaks and valleys of of life and stuff. I I don't know. It's, uh, what's my point? I don't know. That weed worked. <laughs> <laughs> that Groucho Marx was right. <laughs> yeah, man, he knew what was up, dude. He knew what was up. <laughs> but like, no, nah, like I thought, I dude, I think a great like idea for like a Netflix series now, like like how Stranger Things is all nostalgia soaked, like '80s horror, '80s reference, that kind of stuff. Do yeah. the same fucking show, but for '80s like snobs versus slobs comedy, like just try and encapsulate that vibe of. Revenge of the Nerds, Caddyshack, uh, Porky's, like get that vibe. You know what? I'll say that. Okay, the Porky's is the time where the, it's like the rich, fancy kids, and you, and they're fucking with the local hillbillies. It's through the. It's. Mm-hmm. I could I could do one of those the real secret like the I could be a Porky's truther and be like, actually Porky was the good guy and the rich fucking prep school basketball players were a bunch of dicks and they all went on to become district attorneys and fucking senators and shit. <laughs> yeah. Um I think uh I think there must have been, there there has been some either films or movies in in that style uh that kind of exploited that that side of the nostalgia but uh 
I don't know. I have never seen an episode of the Goldbergs that I don't know what network it was on, but like a big one. They seem to be going hard for the 80s nostalgia and maybe probably fucked around in that territory a little bit. You know, what do I, know? I think my favorite thing of like fucking with that nostalgia was too many cooks. Sure. Yeah. Like that, that sitcom nostalgia. Yeah. Where it's uh, like they basically did every. Right, that's the right way to do it. Yeah, exactly. Right... Where you subvert it. Like you don't, you're not just like. Oh, yeah. You're not yeah, just jerking yeah, yeah. it off. Like, you're... Yeah. Or retreading it. Yeah. You're not just doing that. It's, yeah, yeah, you're using it and you're going somewhere with it for sure. You're like, hey, do you remember how things used to, it's basically saying, like, remember how things used to look like this? Well, what if they did this with it kind of thing? Yeah, you know what? Something to check out is there's the movie that that came out a few years ago called The Final Girls. And it's, it's, you know, not to give too much away, it's got some cool, um, you know, good comedic actors that are, that are pretty big now. It's directed by this guy that I'm friends with called uh, Todd uh, Schulson. But it's it takes it, it ultimately go kind of flashes back or takes place in the 80s. And it's kind of in the style of like this 80s horror movie. So they're taking a genre that really exists, but they're doing really cool things with it. And it's funny. So I check that that out. That's that's very well done. Dude, I, I would all check this. the final girls. I will check the final out. girls. Yeah. But yeah, it's like definitely a take on an old horror movie. It's it's really clever and does it very well. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, what was the one I saw that was kind of like that? Um, oh, uh, this is, I mean, it's like 10 years old now. But, uh, Black Dynamite. Did you ever see that? No. Where it's like they did kind of a, like a take, a new take on like the old like 70s exploitation type movies. Yeah. Like, like Dolomite and Superfly and all those kind of movies. Just straight up Tarantino, right? That's like what he did. Dude, but no, so. it's like this. It's like almost more of like a Wayne's Brothers. It's like if. Ah, oh, dude, it's it's like if Paul Thomas Anderson and the Wayans brothers teamed up to do a '70s like parody, kind of. That's a, I, that, that's a very enticing. Uh, comp it's really there. good, and I don't know if you know Baron Vaughn. Um, yeah, yeah, Bar- he's dude. He's he has a small part in it in the beginning. He plays like dude, like and he's yeah. he's fucking great in it. He's so good, like he's so funny. There's not yeah, there, he was one. I've worked with him a couple times in such a minor way on comedy Bang Bang, but. I think he he played um, a recurring character every once in a while of the security guard or a cop or whatever. And um, he was always just super, super nice on set and was never like, he was just a super, super sweet guy. He's a real Uh, sweet guy. Yeah. And if he's listening, I'm going to tell him to listen to this episode because I reached out to him to uh, do the show because he's actually from Las Vegas. He grew up here. Did he really? Yeah made it out and you grew up elsewhere and you made, made it, it there yeah i i was saying it's like a me and baron vaughn with la and uh vegas it's kind of like a foreign exchange student program and la definitely got the the better end of that bargain <laughs> yeah. yeah he's it seems like he's doing well he was in that comedy central show if, if that's still going on yeah know. yeah he it was his show i believe yeah him yeah, and uh mike fun. eagle yeah yeah um you know, uh, speaking of our friends doing well, uh, Johnny Temperton, I don't know if you saw the news today. I, I actually did. I, 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 don't, I didn't watch um, the Superstore, but I know I saw pictures of him on it. I didn't know he was such a character on that that it could be a spinoff. Um, uh, best to him. Yeah, dude, do you and, realize he is now the Scott Baio of Superstore? 
What does that mean? Because like, uh, like Joni like Joni Loves Chachi, yeah, of Happy Days, yeah. Yeah, Scott Bayo Happy Days, yeah. really? But Dude, Scott Bayo was on what another show? Not just he was on Charles in Charge too. Charles in Charge, that's how I know him. Yeah, yeah, but he was on Happy Days before Charles in Charge. Those seem like decades difference. Well, yeah, because one was made in the seventies and pretended to be in the fifties. And the other one was in the 80s oh, trying to right. be in the 90s. That's I'm like, wasn't that in the 50s? No, it was not. It was in the 70s. So, yeah, got it. Got it. Yeah. yeah um, and also, uh, what's his name? The Italian dude from uh, 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 Mona. Mona. It was the Italian guy from the sitcom where he had a blue van and he was driving to be the, na- the man. Oh, Tony Danza. Tony Danza was in uh, a couple of different sitcoms. He was on, yeah, he was, yeah, he, he was, on was Taxi. He was on Taxi he was on and then Taxi Who's the Boss. when he was a little younger and then he was on Who's the Boss. And but, that was my point. Tony Danza was in a couple different sitcoms. Now, Thank you. Okay, now Tony and, Danza was in two different sitcoms and on both sitcoms he played a character named Tony. Do you think it's because he's not smart enough to know a character's <laughs> name? Uh, what do you so what do you we love you for this role is this is in the casting session i don't know what do you what would you like your character to be called uh, looking around at his own headshot door uh, <laughs> i don't think that's how hollywood works name your character <laughs> uh the character uh is michael oh i only go by tony <laughs> I, I don't like to tony i can't i can't think of another character i i i needed to ring true here that's this isn't anything that he said. How is Tony up? To, what's how's Tony up to? What's he up to now? Tony Has he Danza, been anything for a while? I think, dude, he had a daytime talk show for a little while. That's shit. You know what? A, a Tarantino should bring back Tony Danza in one of those like little roles, or like bring him back in a big way. That's such a Tarantino is going to bring back Danza. Dude, that's a really, really good call there. I, I could, I could I see that happening. I tweet that. I don't tweet much, but I'm gonna tweet that. No, I'm not. Hey, can you tweet that for me? <laughs> you want me to tweet that for you? Ruin, ruin your reputation. As Dude, a you got comedy. the blue check mark, man. I'm trying to work my way up to something like that. Well, you gotta I make. I, I really don't care about the blue check mark. I actually did. Hulu got me that blue check mark. I didn't have to do anything for it. They just said. We're we're gonna get you a blue check mark. I was very cool. I was cool about it, dude. Uh, that's what you know, Matt Peters. No, a uh, friend of mine, comic uh, actor. He's on an orange. The new, is the new black, and like he rarely uses a Twitter account, rarely tweets. And Netflix was like, "No, uh, you have to have a verified Twitter account." So here here it is. Like, yeah. Wait, he he did what for Netflix? He was on Orange Is the New Black. He played one of the prison oh, guards cool. on there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of seems like networks or whatever will be like, oh, well, it, it's a bad look if you for us if you don't have a that's, blue check That's mark. what it is. That's totally what it is. It's like, like only work with blue check marks. Because like, so we'll, we some, pity you and we'll get you. I'm a big fan of uh, Chapo Trap House podcast. I listen to that one a lot. Um, it's like a leftist politics show from some Brooklyn hipsters, but they're very funny. And it's my cup of tea, right? Um, so, uh, but like most, most of the people on that show, they all have like 150, 200,000 followers, but no blue check marks. Cause no one gives a <laughs> shit about podcasts. And I think that's pretty cool. That's, that's like actually more punk rock. Than... That's totally. Yeah. 
lot of followers and and not like the the approval of you know whatever that fucking entity is that grants the blue check mark for sure we're 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 in the future man we really we are. dude yeah 2020 is definitely the future when we were growing up kind of fucking awesome man like for <laughs> like, 2020 really told us a lot about uh life and us and i had a fucking blast yeah 2021 i really don't hope it gets any better i really got acquainted with my uh, playstation 4 this uh pandemic i gotta say you know you have hobbies, man. i saw an interesting uh um tweet yesterday and i don't remember who it was but it was like kind of a nobody so uh, like it wasn't a famous person so no one's gonna care like but basically they're saying how like um after the 1918 pandemic after the flu outbreak of 1918 dude no wonder why in the 1920s everybody partied yeah. hard and dressed amazing because right. they were so yeah. stoked to get out of the house and look good and get fucked up and yeah. hang out a renaissance of sorts yeah a roaring roaring 20s and this this might be us you know we, ne- like ever the vaccine comes if that works and that you know works for us then uh yeah maybe we're entering a whole roaring 20s for us but and, and if that happens i'm going to start doing live shows at one of the uh fremont street spots and you got to come out and do a live show with me at one of the casinos I would love to. I would love to. If once people can be around each other again without masks, and by the way, there's just gonna be a you know, or at least for me, like I don't know how long the gap's gonna be, but from the time that we can, like, go to a house party, and the time that I actually do and feel comfortable being there, I just wonder how long that'll be. I, I was I think, thinking about this myself, and I think my yeah. gap's gonna be about six to eight months. I think it, I, mine might be like, I feel like it's going to be long and I think it's going to be like a riding a bike. You're going to get to it and you're not going to question it. You're, you're, we're just going to, it's going to be quicker maybe than we think. I hope you know? so. Cause like, I, I mean, it sucks, dude. I lived in the entertainment capital of, uh, or the adult entertainment capital of the world. <laughs> Fucking 10 minutes. I got to live here for 10 months. And part, and a few of those months was me struggling with that pool the the business thing I came out here for falling through and then getting into this that my backup plan I guess now so it's just like I haven't really had a chance to actually enjoy it since I moved here in a way and I'm really looking yeah. forward to that so yeah but that's part of the reason why I'm doing this show because I realize it's like once things do open back up I'm gonna be doing weekly like different bar and restaurant reviews going around like i can take my little recorder with me to a casino and get some live action with some pit bosses and whatnot so you know i'm gonna try to make it fun for everybody dude you know like that's cool i like the idea of like a verite podcast or like a your your a traveling podcast where it's more like a audio documentary but maybe with you like leading it you know, as maybe interviewing people, asking questions versus a like a WTF where it's OK, two people sitting down and let's have a conversation. You know, that's kind of I got to say, thank God for Zoom, because this is really saving my sanity, being able to do this a couple of times a week right now. <laughs> this is yeah, it's communicating with someone else. And it's and it's, you know, you're creating art and you get to release it and then get feedback. And I can see how it scratches a lot of the the itch but yeah I, I definitely that's what i kind of want to turn it into like you're saying like me kind of going out places and talking to like talking to the bartender while they're bartending you know kind of thing and like yeah that's good for sound really yeah, <laughs> that'd be great um 
No, but uh, like it's the whole the whole podcast is just. Okay, want to drink? Yeah, sorry. What's your name, Scott? Come on, man. I'm uh, maybe after work. Okay, I, I'm gonna take a break. You got five minutes with me. Sorry, I got to go back in, man. We can do coke afterwards. You know, Dude, we're gonna no. be up. But no, I, I kind of want to get like that side of Vegas. I don't know, like a whole. But like, there's a world I want to explore. But another thing I want to do is like do tours. And do this for my Patreon, um, but like, so the people that subscribe to my Patreon be like, I'll give you a walking tour so you can put your headphones on, play the episode, and as you walk around, I'll tell you weird little facts about the stuff. That's cool. That's funny. But like, because dude, Vegas, uh, Vegas tours by Scott. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, Frank Collada, uh, the guy. Okay, he's the Frank real Caliendo. Frank Caliendo. No. Got it. Frank Collada is the guy who Frank Vincent... does great impressions of Bush and. Uh, others. No, he was a Chicago mobster that was basically the the real life Joe Pesci character from Casino. It was his number, like it was his right hand man, and that mm. guy like uh, now does mafia murder tours of Las Vegas, where he shows you where they used to kill people back in the seventies. So that's doesn't how the real doesn't the real um, Kramer <laughs> like yeah. the Seinfeld Kramer give tours of yeah uh, yeah the New York. Is it Kenny Kramer's? Oh my name. God! By the way, wait, I have that right, right? Yeah, yeah, like that that episode. That's, of the... a, that's a documentary. That's a short documentary I want to make. Checking with Kramer, the real Kramer now. Now <laughs> that there's a pandemic, he he hasn't been doing that tour for a while, right? Probably. That's yeah. a... And I mean, Seinfeld's always going to be relevant because of reruns, but he's definitely not. He's definitely not in the peak years like he was relevant. in the '90s. Like, 1996 oh. was that guy's glory year, probably. Like the real Kramer. I'm googling the real Kramer now. Kenny Kramer. Kenny he's, Kramer. he's my Facebook friend. Is was he a stand-up? Who? What was he? Uh, yeah, he, I think he. I think he does a little comedy and stuff in New York. Yeah. You got to go to. Uh, no, I definitely found him on Facebook and added him. I was like, I'm definitely adding the real Kramer. This guy's got. I'm gonna be. check. I'm gonna spend tonight with the real Kramer, Kenny Kramer tonight. <laughs> Wait, Jim. Oh, that's a different guy. That's a different Kramer. Well, uh, I I appreciate this. Now I have an idea for a new documentary well, called. I'm glad I Kenny, can be your muse, Kenny man. Kramer, the real Kramer, in post in pandemic 2020, and I have to get to him before the end of the year. So I'm coming out east soon. All right. Well, we got to get wrapped up here in a minute. Is there anything you wanted to plug on the on the way out before? uh, I'm glad to be your muse here, though, and give you a Kramer project to get worked on. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I bet you his business. I bet bet you his. Do you think his business took a real hit when uh, Michael Richards went on stage at the Laugh Factory and got really racist? Did he take a real hit? No. Do you think like his real Kramer tour in New York took a hit? Oh my god. Great question. When Great the question. actor Kramer fucking uh, had a racist when, tirade. Yeah, that's a, that's a perfect question for my new documentary uh, that you're clearly executive producer on. I, think uh, I will ask him. That. I will ask him that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wonder. But J- Jerry Seinfeld went on freaking like Letterman and really smoothed it over. He he spoke very highly of. Of Michael Richards being like, I know the guy. He's not racist. Believe me, I'm Jerry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that's good things over. He's not racist, uh, I, and I dated a 17 year old girl when I was the biggest TV star on the planet. <laughs> I'll I'll ask Kenny Kramer about that too. <laughs> oh man, yeah, <laughs> I, I, 
the whole doc is is seeing interviewing the real Kramer, Kenny Kramer, but not asking him anything about himself. Just asking him about the cast. Of yeah, ask him about ask him about Wayne Knight losing weight. <laughs> the guy yeah. that played the guy that played that Newman. Ask How'd him, he do? I I don't know. I think he did get the lap band. Ask him about uh, I can't think of the actor's name, but the dude that played Putty. Um, yeah, right. I follow him on on Instagram. Dude, get I speak. Ask him about his. Ask him about all his voiceover work. <laughs> yeah, he was the tick. He was the tick. Yeah, he was. That's huge. He was the tick. Yeah, he does all the VO work. Um, yeah, no, I don't have anything to plug. Nothing new coming out uh, ever. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> if you haven't seen the uh, Amazing yeah. Jonathan on Hulu, check it out on Hulu. That's amazing. Like, no pun intended there, but like. No, that's I've I've been a big fan of your work. That, just outside of being friends, I've been a big fan of your work for a long time. I love the stuff you do. You have a such a distinct right. eye that most filmmakers like the way you say I have my voice as like a personality. You have your voice as a filmmaker. Not many people know exactly what they're going after. I've been on plenty of shoots with people that have no fucking idea what they're doing. But every Me shoot <laughs> I've ever every shoot I've ever done with you you like you really know how to make everybody from the crew to the extras to the star, whoever it is, like all feel like we're all productive and a big part of something and we're all valuable. And not many not everybody does that, you know. Uh I appreciate that. That's that's um you that's kind of a not cor- not true, I think, but I appreciate it. I will say I agree with you that I I I've ha- I have I know uh I have an idea, I have a vision, and maybe sometimes I'm too specific with it. And in regards to making people feel comfortable, I've heard the exact opposite. But maybe you and I are comfortable when we work together because we're friends and I like you and you like me. And like if, you know, Beck Bennett and me, we're buddies. So like there's a, I I like working with people that I like working with and they do as well, I think. But people that I, I like, there's some weird ego thing or I don't know you and you don't know me. It goes so wrong. It goes so bad. So. Well, I'm glad I haven't. Hey, those people are fucking. Them. Those people are fucking jagoffs. How about that? I'll agree with jagoffs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much for having me. This has been a pleasure. It's been nice to see you and chat with you. Well, dude, thank and, you so uh, much for doing it. And I'll definitely. I gotta get Cohen up, man. Have him. Tell me all about his coke field orgy stories. <laughs> You're going to have a blast with him. He he really can tell you about another side of Vegas that maybe you haven't even seen. Yeah, because he's a strip club guy, and I'm not a strip club guy. So I would I like... He's not, he's not any of that anymore, but he's gone through some periods of darkness. <laughs> and believe me, you'll, you'll hear. Well, you'll hear. I'm glad to see that you're both of us are out here bathing in the light right now. And it, it was really good to talk to you, my buddy. It was a pleasure. I wish you well, and we'll talk soon. All right, man. Uh, I'm going to say goodbye to the audience now. Thank you so much for listening to the interview portion. I will wrap up with you in just a sec. And that was Ben Berman. I hope you enjoyed the show this week. Uh, I had a good time doing it. Ben's like Ben's one of my oldest, dearest friends. Um, and we we go back and had used to have a lot of fun times back at my old place in Silver Lake and stuff, and hanging out at the Cha Cha Lounge. So I hope that came across. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope if you did enjoy it, maybe you can go over to Twitter and Instagram. Give us a follow at LuxOpsPod. You can also support the show by following, uh, by contributing to our Patreon. Uh, you know, I got a couple different tiers over there. Hey, for 20 bucks, if you donate the $20 a month tier, 
you can literally produce a segment for the show that I will uh, post in there and whatnot. Like, I, I can't believe I'm letting people have that much power for that little money. But times are tough in this gig economy. Thank you so much. Oh, and the uh, Patreon is patreon.com slash Pod. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for checking it out. And I will see you next week where I got uh, degenerate extraordinaire C.J. Sullivan on. And it's a good one. So thank you so much. Goodbye.